What's up, Sam? What's up, Alex? We're back. We are back. Episode three. Yeah. I think a lot of people didn't believe that we'd be back, but we are back. A lot of people didn't believe that we existed. A lot of people still don't know. Most people, in fact, still don't know that we exist. Like 99.99% of the population does not know. But we're here to change that. We are here to change that. We have made a pretty decent following so far, in my opinion. I would say so. And the shufflers that have come to us so far have been very excited about this year. And I think while we have a small fan base so far, we have a very strong fan base. And I think our fan base will help us spread the word to many others. We finally have a official logo after the week one AI debacle. I decided to just create it myself. I think it turned out pretty well. I agree. I think the logo encapsulates the podcast itself and both of our personalities. Yeah. Just for the listeners that don't know, there is a dinosaur and a lightning bolt on there. Those represent our acapella surnames that we got in college and in the buff. In addition to that, there's a little little shuffle symbol in the O of pod. Yeah, just in case you missed it. Just in case you still don't know what we're about <laughs> from the first episode. And the word shuffle at the bottom. We really wanted to make it clear for you all. But another cool thing about the logos is, if you hadn't noticed, every week there's a different picture in the center of the logo based on what we're talking about for that week. And this week, would you like to tell them what we're going over? So this week, we'll be talking about movies. You got it. Classic movie podcast. We have five movies that Alex and I both thought would be pretty good to talk about from uh, that recently came out. In the spirit of this podcast, we're going to randomly pick the order that we talk about them and see where it goes from there. Yeah, I feel like the holiday season was really good. It's always good for movies, and now we have the time to reflect back on them, and we're going to have a good time doing it. This past weekend, we were in Nashville for our friend Christopher Quill Natelli's wedding. Had a great time, and we actually got to see one of those movies together, and we'll talk about that one. And I also wanted to mention that this podcast we based off, um, or we're getting encouragement from our other friend who was at the wedding. His name's Kyber, Gregorio Kyber, and he loves movies. He actually has a podcast and started podcasting before I did. And so plug to Kyber Loves Movies podcast. I hear he's going to start releasing some new podcasts soon. And I also wanted to speak about last week. Uh, last week's podcast, we've gotten a lot of very intense responses. Have you heard of any, Sam? Yeah, so we have the results in for the poll of people's favorite seasons. We have fall at 36% of people's favorite season, winter at 19%, spring 10%, and summer tied with fall at 36%. So Alex, it looks like we're both right. 
we're both right. Everyone wins for the first time. I was really shocked because if it was like 33, 33, 33, zero, I'd be like, okay, not too many voted, but it's a very weird percentage. So I think it just shows to show that we are in the majority here. That would, that would have been really sad if yours had like one more percent than mine and you would be able to rub it in my face. Well, sad for you. Don't worry. There's they'll we'll find another poll for this week and I think I'm going to win. <laughs> we also had very passionate responses um for the colors of the school subjects. I did get kind of shunned by my sister and my best friend. So um that one is apparently really personal to people that I was not aware of. But once again, me and you are correct. Yes. Since the two hosts of the podcast agree on it, Nobody can stop us from saying otherwise. You don't have a voice here, except when we give you one. So enjoy your voice while you can. And I think it's time to get started on this podcast. So just as a preface, we are probably going to have timestamps for the five different movies we talk about. So if you haven't seen a specific movie that you don't want to hear spoilers for, then just look at the timestamps. You can skip that one. And... Also, again, just spoiler warning for all the movies we talk about. In addition to the movies we're talking about, most of them are sequels. So we'll probably be talking about the ones before them as well. So spoiler warning for basically everything from this point on. With that, I think we should get started. Roll trailer. In a world... Two best friends. Five movies. Zero expectations. Seven new sound effects. Coming this January. Witness the third installment of the ever increasingly popular My Pod Shuffle. Dude, this movie was like the best thing I've seen all year. Alex, how could you do this to me? This sucked. I don't want to see that scene ever again. There's no way. Why? <laughs> that was amazing. I really, I would watch that movie. That was pretty good. <laughs> I hope we didn't burst anyone's uh, eardrums with that one. Yeah, that might have just shot shot my audio for the rest of this recording. No, we're we're ready. Uh, okay, well, let's get started. The five movies that we are discussing today, we have them, but we need to we need to shuffle this order. We don't know which order we're going to talk about them, and we're just gonna we're just gonna start with the first one. I'm gonna I'm gonna spin the wheel, and let's see what happens. Wow, I pressed the wrong sound effect. That's really <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> One of the seven new sound effects, everybody. Let's try that again. And the first movie is... Glass Onion. Okay, okay. I'm happy with that. We have broken down all the movies into loose categories about theme, visuals, emotional value, acting, plot, and character development. And we're going to touch on each one for each movie, but starting off... We're just going to give our general thoughts, and especially for those people who do not want spoilers, we're going to give a one-sentence description or why you should see it. Glass Onion 
is in the realm of the Knives Out universe. So if you haven't seen Knives Out, spoiler warning for that as well, it features the detective Benoit Blanc again in this installment as well and is another uh, mystery that he has to solve. Although at the beginning, you're not completely sure what the mystery is. It centers around Miles Braun, who is a tech billionaire and a host of other characters close to him. Uh, (laughs) Anything to add, I guess? Yeah, Knives Out was my... It's probably within my top 10 all-time favorite movies. So I was very excited when... I think it was a few years back that they said that a sequel was coming. And then they said it was going to be on Netflix, and I was pretty surprised. But... No, I love I love the character of Benoit Blanc. Is that how you say it? Benoit. Benoit Blanc. That's a very fun name to say. But no, I was very excited for this movie. And I think for anyone who doesn't want a spoiler and wants to watch this movie, just know that, yeah, you're in for a ride. You're in for a very twisty, turny ride. But overall, I think I, I, think I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it. I do have to say I enjoyed the first one more, I would say. I and I think my expectations of the first movie kind of threw me off of what to expect in the second movie. It left me a little disappointed, I think, but a pretty solid movie overall. I think the strength of mystery movies over TV shows is you have more time to develop characters and develop a full mystery that makes sense with twists and turns as compared to just trying to pump out a bunch of different mysteries in a TV show. So I think that's just one of the general strengths that is exciting about the movies in this universe and similar movies. I agree. Do you, are you thinking of TV shows that do a mis- different mystery every episode or the ones that are building it over time? Because I just watched a mystery kind of mystery heist called kaleidoscope on on netflix and it's it's similar is where they build a mystery over time i feel like is it is exciting but i agree a movie gives more time to do that that's a good point yeah i wasn't thinking about the extended mysteries i guess i was thinking the different ones each episode yeah so i think i think the ones that are like that you're right they do have more time one of my favorite shows of all time that i often forget about is broad church which is just one mystery the whole season it's one of the most solid things you'll you'll ever see yes strong recommend for broad church but back to the movie let's get into some spoilers what parts did you really enjoy in this movie my favorite part is when benoit blanc dies and is brutally murdered at the end i love that part hold up (laughs) Hold up. <laughs> that did not happen in this movie. <laughs> okay. I don't know what bootleg version you watch, but that... that oh, oh I, was, I think I watched the pirated version. Right, right. The pirated version with Johnny Depp. <laughs> my real favorite part, at least what I'll say is my favorite part of the movie. Maybe it's not really, but what I'll say is the beginning scene where all of the friends are working together to solve the puzzle box. Yep. If you are one of the original shufflers, we had a whole episode where we talked about escape rooms that I used to work at one and that I love all things puzzles. So, and me. It was super cool for me to see that. And you. And yes. you. 
both of us i'm i'm a bigger fan but you're also i'll let you have that one win (laughs) i appreciate that but i think yeah it's something you don't see a lot in movies and i think the way they portrayed like the cooperation is cool and just like yeah it's a good hook it's a good hook i enjoyed it well that was the hook that they used in the trailer i mean the majority of the trailer did you see the trailer for this movie i actually didn't see the trailer it is one of my favorite trailers of all time and i think that's scary because just because it's one of my favorite trailers of all time of all time did not make it one of my favorite movies of all time in fact i think it led me to more disappointment yeah that is the unfortunate thing about trailers they they often put the best parts in i do have a couple criticisms about exactly how they did it just because i'm i'm nitpicky about what makes a good puzzle do it roast on them <laughs> my nitpicks are that for the morse code puzzle that's just morse code is the most overused puzzle in any escape room and it's you know it makes sense but i would i would like a little more originality and also uh for the chess puzzle me and alex also play a bit of chess with each other so uh for that one they had a chessboard layout that you didn't know was chess right away and the it was like three moves into the game and it was like one of the worst possible openings you could ever do to where you get checkmated in two moves like two or three moves and they called it like an end game Mm -hmm. it felt a little weird like it makes sense for the puzzle but it it felt wrong it was a little offsetting maybe i'm being a little too nitpicky were these nitpicks that you had in the movie like while it was happening or did you do a little research they well i did do a bit of research but when i first saw the chess puzzle I did see that it was like two moves in and I thought it was weird okay. that she called it an end game. And then I, I looked up cause I, I do know about that opening. I just didn't know the name. It's called the, I just looked it up and I forgot the name. It's like the fool's opening or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Fool, the fool's mate. Fool's mate. Yeah. But I did, I really did appreciate that they put that whole puzzle thing at the beginning. Yeah. I'm a big fan of yeah that stuff too all the movies and shows i'm hoping that that puzzle box actually exists <laughs> and that they actually made it because that would be something that i would buy yeah a lot of it also cgi'd in the movie mm-hmm. sadly mm-hmm. also in uh, relation to the beginning how do you feel about covid being one of the main focuses of the first 15 20 minutes of the movie well, to my knowledge, this is one of the first times I didn't mind it that badly because any other time I've seen it dealt with in a movie or a show, I've been very uncomfortable or just felt very cringe to why or how they handled COVID. It just felt not right. But in this movie, I didn't mind it. I felt like it was it was handled well, even though it did come after like two years since COVID was a really big deal. I did enjoy the plug to Among Us and Code Names and all the games because those were all the games that we played in our group in college. Like, I mean, most of the United States, if not the world, were playing those games. So I'm sure we're not the only people that relate to that, but it was pretty funny. So I enjoyed it. Mm. I liked it. And then the, the solution that they had, they didn't need to do anything really complex or scientific. You just got shot with a... a million dollar gun and 
you're solved. You're, you're saved. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I think that was one of the turnoff points for me at the beginning. I think it's good that you find it as good nostalgia. I <laughs> I don't know about good nostalgia. It's not. <laughs> well, I don't like to be reminded of it. Okay. <laughs> I, I also don't like to be reminded of it. I think that's what threw me off. Not not only that, just it felt like there were a lot of references to like culture and other almost like political statements that they kind of just threw in the movie to be more in touch with the viewers. I think like one example is one of the characters is named Duke and mm-hmm. he is a Twitch streamer. Right. Which just felt like people trying to relate to the youth of our generation. Yeah. And to me, it just felt a little forced. That's not the only thing. No, there were lots of those things that I think it's like when it, when, you, when a movie dates itself, like using Twitch or TikTok or anything mm-hmm. like that, it can be not handled well. And I, I still think that the movie did a pretty good job at not shoving it down our throats too badly and especially since it was on netflix for me at least i didn't mind it as much because it was i've seen it on there multiple times it's not a big deal but if i saw it in like a big screen movie or if i even if i saw it in a marvel movie i'd probably be more cynical of it yeah and i think a lot of all of that is found more at the very beginning or the first half of the movie i i strongly prefer the second half of the movie it feels a lot more similar to knives out right but how yeah how did how do you feel about the payoffs all the because you've seen you had told me that you have seen all these movies twice yes i and have i've only seen this one once and i'm very interested to see if i watch it a second time how i will notice like the small things that they plant all the details that they plant right my suspicion is that i would enjoy it a lot more the second time but what what do you think? I agree. I agree. I think the second time through, it was enjoyable. Maybe not more enjoyable because you knew who it was. That part of the mystery is gone. But seeing all the small details was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed. So yeah, real spoiler parts now. When the reveal of Miles Braun being the killer where he just basically lied to people saying that Duke took the drink and they used the, a visual lie, which I thought is tricky. I don't love it. How they made, how they tricked us like that, but it worked for the the plot of the story where instead of laying the drink down, Duke accidentally grabs it. He hands it directly to him. I was like, Oh, I don't like that. But watching it a second time, the first time it happens, he does just directly hand it to him and you see that happen. And you're like, wow, I should have seen that happen, but I didn't. And so that was probably my favorite part of the the movie was seeing all the distractions that the movie put in front of you from the truth, from like, you know, the whole plot of the movie, the solving of it is that it should be really plain and simple to see, but we just get distracted by layers and other things. And so that scene where the murder is committed, the first one, in the movie, not the timeline. There's a lot going on. Like the birdies dress is like really colorful. So it's going all over the place. The music and the volume is really loud in the movie. The cut scenes are happening very quickly. And so if you're not looking for anything to happen, you're not going to notice anything. So I I enjoyed it. 
I enjoyed that part. Yeah, I think another aspect about Miles, the Miles reveal, is they they made a big emphasis on the fact that he's literally just a complete idiot. <laughs> like it's just said multiple times, he's literally just dumb. And I think the two main hidden secrets and references before that are that he often uses incorrect words that right. are close and like make sense in contact uh in the context but aren't actually words that, that actually exist yeah and also the fact that every single one of his projects that he does he has so much money that he can just hire other people to do everything for him including the puzzle box that he commissioned somebody else to do yep and then he gets all the credit for for the smarts behind everything where yeah. in reality everything that he does is essentially stolen yeah i think that was more the point less than him being an idiot because watching it a second time i was like i don't know if he's an idiot like i'm gonna watch and see like do i think this man is is stupid and in some ways yes but i think the more point the bigger point is he just uses he steals everything he has from someone else or something else and also, he's just incredibly lucky. So, yeah, I th I think that's one of my critiques about it. I think they should have leaned in more to him, the stealing aspect, and him just like being a bad person for taking credit for other things. Right. But in my in my opinion, they emphasize pretty clearly that he is just supposed to be like actually dumb, and I don't yeah. think getting a couple words wrong here and there makes you dumb especially right. when he still uses it in the right context he just yeah. gets the word wrong like right. he he knows what he's saying and people still know what he's talking about i mean maybe he's trying to sound a little smarter than he actually is but i think the commissioning a aspect because that's something that i more so noticed when i watched it the first time i think that makes more sense and they should have leaned into that a little yeah. bit more well I don't think anyone really could have guessed who the killer was up to the point of Duke dying. I think that'd be pretty difficult to do on a first view. But once you found out that the real story was that, um, what's the first lady's name? The one who passed away, who was killed? Cassandra. Cassandra slash Andy. Andy is the, yeah, Andy dies. Once you find out that she was dead before and they're trying to find out who the real killer is, when did it, who did you think did it? Or were you uncertain? What was your process? Well, I will say, yeah, I didn't really know for sure. I don't think I expected Miles actually, just because they set it up, you know, as, oh, it's a, it's a fake murder mystery party. So, you know, Miles is going to die. I did. I did kind of fall for that the first time. Yeah. One thing I did notice, though, that I'm proud of myself for is that uh, Duke was allergic to pineapple. He mentioned that in one line of dialogue. Yeah, it's a hard one to catch. I did not catch that the first time either. Mm -hmm. So when he started choking and like holding near his throat, I immediately knew there was pineapple in his drink. I didn't know where it was from, but I knew it was just most likely an allergic reaction that killed that's him. your game brain on that's my game brain <laughs> game brain 
I am pretty proud of myself that I think I got it pretty soon after the first twist happened because I, I focus more on the storytelling to solve it rather than the clues. But the second that Blanc said it couldn't have been miles because he would have been too stupid to do that. As soon as he was eliminated from, as a suspect from that list, I knew it. I was like, it's him like that. It has to be. And I was like, it just, it just makes the most sense. And the more, the more that all four suspects had the same motive, I was like, okay, definitely. Like, I just got more sure about it. So I, was, I think I was a pretty good sleuth of the movie the first time around. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it makes sense. Unfortunately, that, that does happen with like some mysteries is you kind of can guess it just by what would make this a good story. Right. Like what would make this the best version? Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, who's the least likely to do this? And then you're kind of drawn towards them. Yep. Well, yeah, I think I think overall, pretty good movie. Again, not as good as Knives Out, but what would you say that your final rating would be for this movie? You know, I I do want to give it a pretty good rating. The only thing I can't give it like a I don't know how we're gonna do ratings for these, um probably out of a hundred or something like that. Or like I'll give it like a school a school grade. It's like A, B, C. The only reason I will not give it in the A range is I very much dislike the trope where someone gets shot and you think they're dead and then some <laughs> stupid reason that they're still alive. I hate the journal saving the the twin, Helen. I was like, I love the everything else after that, before that. Like, it was great, but it's things like that make me upset. <laughs> I guess you're not gonna like talking about bullet train then. Yeah, that <laughs> happens a couple times. in that one too. That's different. That's different. We'll get there later. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a B plus B plus. I will give it slightly less than you. I think maybe not slightly. I think I'll give it. No, you know what? Actually, I'm giving it a C plus. A C plus. So that averages we'll say to a B. Okay. We'll give it a okay. B rating. That's the sound effect I'm choosing. So, solid movie overall. I guess, uh, yeah, Alex, give us a spin for our... Give us a shuffle spin. Shuffle spin, that really is just a drum roll. Here we go. Avatar 2. Okay. Okay. The really the biggest movie of 2022, or at least anticipated wise. I think also the biggest uh, grossing box office movie from this year as well. Really? I think maybe like 1.8 billion or something like that. Really, I I felt like I heard there was a lot of uh, a lot of hate towards the franchise that the people were going to not watch the movie, try to try to not make that happen. You know, I will admit I was one of those people. No, why? I was a I was a closed-minded fool at oh. first. Oh. But I think I have that view more towards the first one that it was the highest-grossing box office movie of all time and I had only seen it like once like years after it came out. Okay. And I I was biased against it for a while, but I actually watched it Literally today, 
And I think I went in open-minded, and I actually really enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I remember the nostalgia of the first movie as a kid. What was it, 12? No, 2009. So 14 years ago. I I don't exactly remember the theater experience, which is funny, or all the 3D nonsense, but the the memory I have of it is watching it on a plane. The first time that I went on a mo- on a plane with movies, Avatar was on there, and I was just mind blown. I think that's the first time I saw it, and I was like, <laughs> this is the greatest thing I've ever seen for a nine-year-old, you know, visually. I didn't really get the story that well, but... So I remember the nostalgia very well. So I was pretty excited for this movie and I didn't really get all the hate. I don't care about all the numbers. If a movie is good (laughs) or is entertaining, it should just get a bunch of money. But I understand that since it's been 14 years, there's some concern of where that money's going. Yeah, I think you touched on this, but visually, I think it lives up to the expectations that it's known for, that the first one was known for. And especially the setting, the new setting of this movie, The Way of Water, is, as the title says, Mm -hmm. uh, more focused in the ocean and the ocean setting instead of the forest. I really liked a lot of the shots that they did of just the ocean life and all the animals and everything related to the world building visuals. I thought it was really nice to look at. It It was stunning, I think. It was... I love... Some people don't know this about me. I love watching nature documentaries and ocean documentaries are mostly my favorite. They're so peaceful and calming and exciting at the same time. And this one I just felt was like a really good mythical ocean documentary, which I will say distracted me from the plot and some other things I didn't love about the movie. But what I did love was the visuals and the ocean setting. I just thought it was perfect. But what did you not like from the movie? I think what I didn't like mainly was just the the plot in that it felt like the first one, but with a different skin. Yep. Basically, you know, the villain is largely yep. the same. It's just the humans. I did not like that. Even Even the main villain. Yep. Technically different, but still the same. And um, in terms of learning how to adapt to the environment as an avatar, once once they moved from the forest to the ocean, they had to relearn uh, what it was like to live in the ocean village. Right. And which I enjoyed. I enjoyed that as well. I th- I think the world building there it it felt good enough to where I wasn't you know I wasn't upset watching that that development again. Yeah, but it doesn't lend to originality i would say i loved the ocean building but i think the biggest downside for this movie for me was that reusing of a villain but the parts i just disliked the most were when he was the villain uh colonel quaritch um he was just able to do all the avatar things without trying i it felt like he just when he went to ride the the wind creatures he got the first try just like that instead of having like months of training and world building that the first movie had. So I was pretty anti that in terms of the plot. And yeah, I felt like, like you said, it was a lot of the rehash of the first one, which is safe. It's safe for a kind of a reboot of the franchise to do. 
very similar to Star Wars Episode Seven. It's like same thing, different skin. So I'm not mad, but I'm a little mad. What did you say? I love the I love the visuals. I love the music. I think the music was fantastic. I did think that sometimes the well, let me know. Did you think that sometimes it looked like a video game? I've gotten that comments from a few people. The funny thing about that is that my graphics card is so bad that all the video games that I play are really low quality. <laughs> so I, I think I may have dodged a bullet there in right. terms of you know having these insanely uh, visually appealing video games that are common nowadays. I I didn't notice that though. Even even with that, I I just thought it looked really good. Well, that's good. I'm glad. And did you watch it in 3D? I did not watch it in 3D. No. Did you? You did. I did. I thought for certain scenes it added a lot, and for other scenes it took away slightly. So I think overall net positive, you should watch it in 3D if you haven't yet. Did you do one watch in 3D and one? I did not. No, I did them both in 3D. Both 3D. Okay, it's a bold, it's a bold decision. It really is. But I will say there is such thing as good 3D and bad 3D. And the bad 3D is really bad, and the good 3D is good. Not really good, it's just good 3D. Because bad 3D will give you a massive headache, or at least will give me a massive headache. Like all the trailers before the show were in 3D, and I was like, I can't watch this. This movie's going to be miserable to watch in 3D. And then it came on, I was like, oh, I don't notice it at all. So that's how you know 3D is well done. Well, you had mentioned the thing about somebody gets shot there needs to be a reason they come back and there was one person that got shot in this movie and they actually died and then there was kind of another thing that somebody should have died and did not die and we'll just get into the spoilers and i i think i think one of the deaths i really liked and the other false death i was disappointed by yeah false deaths are disappointing without a reason and the false death of Quaritch at the end i understand at least they didn't make it super dramatic in his death it was like a quick scene like okay that was kind of a weird death for a super big villain okay you can bring him back but no no i was not a fan the character reasoning behind saving him sure maybe i can buy it if i i watched it a second time i was really trying to see that plot line develop. It was a little easier the second time why Spider would save him, but mm-hmm. ah, I don't see it. It's tough. Yeah, I I was a little disappointed. On a technical level, it kind of makes sense because it's like that's the Colonel's basically only character development in the whole thing is that he makes the one choice to actually protect Spider instead of letting him get killed. So right. That was, to me, that was the one choice, and that Spider saw that and is himself a good a good person. It kind of makes sense that he would save his quote-unquote father, kind of not father, in a way. Yeah. But in my mind, it's like, oh, here we go again. He's going to be the villain in the third, fourth, and fifth ones as well. <laughs> We're yeah. never going to be rid of him. It It really does feel like that at this point, so we'll just have to see. And I think the other death, Jake's oldest son, mm-hmm. I I personally really liked that one. It felt very emotional, and 
um, just Jake's reaction and the whole family's reaction to to it. It wasn't overdone, but I could I could feel the emotions. I didn't cry, but I also did not cry. I I understood the sentiment and the emotion of it, and it resonated with me. However, I do think that this was the one part where the CGI kind of distracted from the emotion because I've seen the behind the scenes of this movie or these parts of it. And you can see like these guys are giving 110% to the acting. And I'm like, dang, this is intense. And the translation to their avatars, I feel like it's just off enough to not feel the full weight of their emotion. But I don't think it detracted from the moment. I just think it could have it could have pushed me over the edge. Yeah, it could have pushed me over the edge, but it did not. The uh the the waterworks, the way of waterworks. But I'm not I don't I don't even know if that would do it because in the in the five movies we talk about only one of them made me cry and we'll we'll get there later. But last thing I had was I think this movie was a you know, kind of the same theme of you know, trying um, to adapt to a new culture. I did like the continuing thing of the environments, like, you know, protecting the forests in the first movie, protecting the oceans in the second movie. Does this, do these get you excited for a sequel and the franchise being reborn? Does this movie do that for you? I'm hopeful for the future. It just depends on where they take it. As we mentioned before, in terms of like the Colonel being the bad guy and you know, the reskinning of the theme and learning in a new environment. I'm hopeful because I think they made it pretty clear that they were going to stay there. And if this happened again, they would stand their ground and they wouldn't just run this time. Yeah. So I, I think at least they won't, we won't go through the whole learning sequence of everyone again. Yep. I agree. I feel like the first third of the movie was relearning. So it's hard to envision where they're going to take it so you know i'll be i'll be optimistic i'll be open-minded maybe not excited but open-minded yeah i agree i'm really trusting in james cameron about the epicness of his future films although five of them (laughs) i don't i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) we'll see so final final rating time for Avatar the Way of Water. I'm going to give it a straight up B. I think I think I'll give it a I think I'll give it a B as well. I was thinking maybe B minus, but I definitely enjoyed this one. It it is also fresh in my mind from today, but I enjoyed this one. All right. Very nice. Hey guys, before we get into the next movie, today's totally and completely real sponsor is AITV. Do you find yourself too busy to watch movies and TV in your day-to-day life? Well, with AITV, we'll have our state-of-the-art artificial intelligence watch it for you. For only $10 a month, you'll never have to watch another movie again. And for an additional $5 a month, you can have the AI watch more than one movie at the same time. Sign up now. You definitely will not regret it. Next up, let me try. Let me try this. Uh, this sound effect. Oh yeah, here we go. Pinocchio. 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 The Guillermo del Toro version on Disney Plus. Oh, right now, Netflix. <laughs> one of the one of the ten versions of Pinocchio that we got this year. Yep. 
some very bad ones. This is the best one, in my opinion. I think most people would agree with me. Yes, I agree that most people would agree. Excellent. Shufflers, we hope you agree too. Not much uh, explanation is needed for this one. This movie has a lot of the same outline of the original Pinocchio movie. Geppetto carving a wooden boy becomes a real boy. You have your chimney cricket. And from there, I feel like it it diverts a lot. I, I really enjoyed this adaptation because I felt like it tried to do something different, which the Disney Plus version live action with Tom Hanks did not. It tried to do the exact same thing like all the other live action remakes. So I I enjoyed this movie a lot because of that. I guess starting out with the, the visual style, yeah. I think that helped a lot with why I liked it. I, right. I really like stop motion and that whole style. And I right. think I think that makes it where the writers need to put more thought into how it's going to play out just because of the limitations of stop motion. You can't just, you know, throw in CGI wherever you want to to achieve your goal. So I I think it's just a more thoughtful format. I might be completely off. I'm not a I'm not an expert on animation styles and everything like that but no you're you're definitely right did you watch the behind the scenes of this show i didn't it was really good to give you an appreciation of the craft and i i keep telling people i really like this movie because the idea of pinocchio being made from wood and a puppet it's kind of crazy that there's never been an adaptation where pinocchio was a puppet in the actual media form i mean there might have been the past but this is like really big scale of it and i thought that was cool it was a deeper level of appreciation for the movie the concept and i think being able to find themes that relate from the artwork that you're doing just adds to the overall experience i think for some of the themes in this movie i really liked some of the themes i think some of them (laughs) were questionable not not to make it unenjoyable but I think I would like to hear <laughs> your thoughts on some of the choices. Okay. What themes? So it's set in, in Italy, specifically mm-hmm. fascist Italy. Yes. So <laughs> Pinocchio is literally drafted into the <laughs> Italian military. <laughs> yeah. Which is just funny to say out loud because it feels like it wouldn't work. It kind of works, I think. It's ridiculous. I I don't know how to feel about it. It, I think it's ridiculous, but also so is going to an island where they turn kids into donkeys and sell them for profit. That's true. It's like, okay, like this is so weird, but I think it has maybe some political elements to it. It definitely does. And when it like totally just destroys Mussolini's pride and all sorts of ways. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I really didn't focus on that too much. Um, I think it was more so just a backdrop of well I don't I don't really know what the point of it was other than to show like independence maybe or just growing or even in a setting of war I think that did a lot to like accommodate the bigger theme which I thought was idea of life and death what did you think about the theme of life and death in this movie I thought it was very well handled Especially for a kid's movie. Yeah, what were your thoughts? 
yeah, I th- I think that was definitely the strongest theme. I thought it was an interesting idea that he's immortal, but there's more and more time between each of his deaths. And that makes him... It makes it still a risk. And I think that leads up to later, near the end of the movie, where he has to decide to go back early in order to save Geppetto and, quote-unquote, become a real boy right. with only one life. And I think I think um, coming to the consideration of valuing the one life you have is a cool theme that also happens in another movie that we haven't talked about yet. All these movies coming together. It's interesting to see the whole progression of initially Geppetto losing his first son, Carlo, having to cope with that, later on getting Pinocchio as his new son, coming to terms with accepting him as his real son, and then Pinocchio then losing Geppetto and everyone that he knows, right? which is something that he has to deal with because he, you know, he comes back every time. So I, I think that's an interesting full circle. And I, th- I think it's also cool that Geppetto can die with his second son still alive, that he doesn't have to go through that a second time. And it almost gives him just this resolution of something that's been plaguing him. I agree. For a, for a kid's movie, or at least a semi-kid's movie, it, it, it is kind of dark sometimes, but I think it, it the whole story gave more depth, gave more backstory, especially to characters like Geppetto. And I think that's what a lot of the remakes are missing, are just more depth to stories, because I feel like movie and filmmaking has become more introspective on those things. And when you just rely on old themes and old stories and old scripts, you're going to get those kind of things missing. Yeah. And I think in terms of music, there were a couple songs thrown in. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. It added to it. I don't know if I was a big fan of all the songs, but I think I can guess your favorite song. All right. Shoot. So I think your favorite song is the poop song. For- <laughs> you would. You would think that's my favorite song. That is not my favorite song. I actually was like, this is stupid. This is stupid. Shoot that stupid. <laughs> I think I think that's the song that kind of put it, went over the top for me as well. <laughs> I mean, bold. Bold choice for the movie to include that song. Yeah, he literally, Pinocchio just destroys literally benito mussolini himself just calling him all kinds of like poop terms which i will say is incredibly childish and actually kind of fits the character so i'm not i'm not mad at it being there but i will not ever listen to that song on purpose (laughs) i did enjoy the other songs though i enjoyed the first song that pinocchio sings me and my sisters would sing it just randomly because i thought i think it is an earworm i think it's very catchy and I will say this is the first movie out of all the movies we talked about today that made me laugh out loud. Okay. I think this might be the only movie that made me laugh out loud. But not at the poop song. Not at the poop song. Not at the poop song. You didn't laugh. But I love um, the moment when Cricket was going to sing his first song 
at the right after the the first song ended and he just starts like his song like my father and then immediately just gets door slams by pinocchio as he goes to church like it's hard for me to find a good laugh in a movie that's unexpected because and i was i was alone at this point like i watched this movie alone like it's very difficult to laugh out loud to a movie alone and it did it so good timing yeah i agree that's a good part i think i think just in general ewan mcgregor did a really good job voicing yeah the cricket and a lot of the cricket's plot is literally is just getting slammed and smashed and thrown around <laughs> like there's almost no development and there is and there's a great payoff at the end for his character but it really is just him getting beat up over and over again but i do enjoy yeah. that humor sometimes i mean it definitely definitely kind of slapstick comedy but i think i think it worked it did especially in contrast to some of the themes in the rest of the movie being more serious and, you know, things like Geppetto becoming an alcoholic and things like that. So it, it was good comedic relief for sure. All right. What's your rating? Well, I think initially I didn't know for sure what I, I think I would have given it lower at first, but it was solid. Voice acting was good all around good visuals, good plot, some good themes, some questionable themes. So I think I'll give it a B plus. All right. Uh, I was going to give it an A minus. So I don't think it quite gets into our, our A range. We'll just give it another cheer. I feel like we've chosen movies that are likable. So maybe on the next movie podcast that we do, in whoever knows how many episodes we'll choose a more variety specifically bad movies maybe podcast. bad movies this is a good movies review <laughs> podcast yeah yeah we'll do that so we'll give it a cheer that's pretty good good movie okay we have two movies left we've already referenced one of them i think we're just i'm gonna go right into it i already did the shuffling we're going to go into our next film, which is Bullet Train. Woo! This was, I believe, the only really original one-off story movies. The only one that we watched. It is adapted from a book called Maria Beetle, um, a manga book. And it is just a very complex story that follows one um, kind of crime handler as he attempts to retrieve a suitcase. And that's the whole plot, really, is one guy trying to get a suitcase off of a bullet train traveling across Japan and all the things that stop him from doing so. It's interesting that you mentioned that it was adapted from a manga because that means that none of these movies are truly original. But it seems like nowadays it's either more common just for money reasons and reasons of convenience and ease, or maybe it's just that it's harder to come up with original ideas just because there are tons of movies coming out all the time. So it's harder to find an original concept rather than redoing something or doing a sequel to something. I've always thought about that in terms of music. Like at what point do original songs become impossible? At what points do original movies become 
relatively impossible. I guess one good thing is that at least at some point, certain things can be recycled once enough time has passed. Right. But, you know, I'm still entertained regardlessly. The tropes may be the same, but you can still change the characters and the setting and, and all those things. So for this one, I I thought it was a pretty darn good movie. I uh, I really enjoyed getting lost in it. Um, I thought it was a complicated enough plot to keep me interested. Um, it could be hard to follow sometimes. I watched this the second time with my family and my mom had no idea what was going on half the time. Um, but I watched this movie alone in the movie theaters and I had zero expectations going into it. And I feel like that's kind of the best way to go into the, these kind of films is like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm here for the ride. I think out of the five, I'm going to be honest, I think it was my least favorite, sadly. That's okay. But there always has to be a least favorite. I still think it was pretty good. In my mind, it's just a fairly generic action movie mixed with comedy. I liked the you know, idea that all of the different agents had like their code name that kind of gave them uh, more background and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of the stylization of this film. I really do like the over stylized films, especially when they like call out a character and then their rap sheet shows up or their name shows up, which I know is not always the best in the world of like cinema sins and like that sort of judginess. But another movie that we haven't talked about yet, which everyone is looking forward to now, we keep referencing this movie that isn't named yet, also does. So, <laughs> well, what do you know? I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I think one good thing for me, the two agents, Tangerine and Lemon, already a good start with the with the names. I, I really liked their banter. Yeah. I think that was one of the best parts about the comedy. Strong agree. That was my favorite back and forth and the emotional backbone of a lot of the movie, or at least towards the end, I thought it, it carried. Spoilers, I really enjoyed the brother death turnaround, one expected to the other, and how you could kind of see both deal with grief and how they both dealed with it. I enjoyed that. But I know you're going to now rail me for... Well, no, I... The shooting. I, I, I was. Okay, I was. You're right. What 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 did you think about that? Is and if if you didn't mind the false death, what are the reasons? I was okay with this false death, barely, but I was okay with it because early in the movie they talk about like the bulletproof vest. Like, are you gonna wear a bulletproof vest? And it was it was said in there, and it's like okay, like that's in the back of my mind that he might be wearing a bulletproof vest. So I'm like, it's okay. In the in Glass Onion, her journal just happened to be right over her heart. <laughs> Are you absolutely kidding me? And it's not going to block a bullet. So bulletproof vests, I'm not a big fan of in movies, but with the sleeping potion and everything else combined, I think they, they sold it enough to make it work. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I think it wasn't that emotional for me in terms of just whenever a character died. Between them, maybe a little bit more because I liked them both. But in general, I think when a character died, I didn't really care, especially right. when you start to realize, oh, a lot of them are just going to be picked off and a lot of them are going to die anyway. Exactly. I was not emotionally attached, emotionally attached to anyone, really. 
But yes, what are your thoughts on movies where quote unquote everyone dies? Because those exist. Do you just appreciate it when there's more emotional involvement to characters? I'm thinking of movies like Rogue One where like you might be more attached or maybe not. I think I appreciate a balance. I want like if everyone dies, such as like Rogue One, that's a little different because you know they almost have to all die because of the timeline. But in others where they all die, it feels like it just it doesn't matter at that point. Um, And then when nobody dies and all the characters feel invincible, especially the main characters, then it's, you know, that's just expected. And you can predict predict that because of plot armor. So I I enjoy a good balance of specific handpicked deaths that mean something. I think I think this movie did that. I think this movie did that. Even though there was a little more majority died, I still think that it did a good job about being dark, but more realistic. And to be fair, I guess I have to concede a little bit to your to your side is that in the end, the white death, who is basically the mastermind that hired all the agents to go on the train and essentially kill each other. That was his whole point, just for everyone to die. And then afterwards, he finishes the job and kills the rest of them off. So yep. plot-wise, there there is a valid explanation for it. And the guy's name is literally The White Death, so it's kind of what <laughs> he's known for. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it had solid comedy. The theme of luck was kind of the theme I picked out. Um, you know, the story they tell at the end of Ladybug holding luck. I thought that was a, a strong moment for the movie, even though it had no impact on me personally, I thought it was like, Oh, that's, that's an interesting concept. Cool. (laughs) It it did add, it, it did add to it throughout the story. And the idea of things that may seem super unlucky actually have a really good outcome or something that you might not see as lucky at first. I agree. Good movie. I enjoyed the fighting. I think overall, I'm going to give it a B plus. I think it was I enjoyed it. I've only seen it once, but I think I think it's a good one-time experience for me. I think I would wait a while to watch it again. Yeah. It's one of those movies you always you only need to watch once. I think the real thing is do I think it's better or worse than Glass Onion? I think I'll give it the same as Glass Onion. I'll give it a C plus. Alright. Sounds good. Well done, Bullet Train. All right, we're down to the last movie. The last movie. Did I maybe hold the shuffling (laughs) to make this the last one? You rigged the shuffling. I maybe did, or maybe I didn't. This is a movie betrayal. I didn't, actually. But I'm very happy that this is the last movie, because it was my favorite movie that I watched. Hard agree. Excellent. (laughs) Our favorite movie is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. (laughs) Now, if you haven't watched it, don't judge us, please. This Trust us. The first movie, I love the first movie. And I think, surprisingly, the second movie is better than the first one. Oh, that's amazing. I did not watch the first movie. In fact, I was a strong hater against the first movie without even seeing it. I looked at Humpty Dumpty's character design was scared away there's no way i'm gonna watch that movie 
But after watching the second one and how amazed I was at it, I'll give it a shot. I'm going to go back and watch it. I think I know the real reason you don't want to watch the first one. Why? Is because <laughs> Humpty's full name is Humpty Alexander Dumpty. Alexander Dumpty. Yeah, I saw that online. I, I know you don't want to be known as Alexander Dumpty from now on. Uh-huh. And associated with that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. It is. But honestly, Humpty Dumpty... He's a great part of that movie. So Okay, we don't need to talk about the first movie. We're talking about the second movie, which is the only movie I cried in out of the ones we watched today. Did you cry? Okay, so you watched this movie three times. Is that is that correct? No, just twice. Just, just twice. twice. So the second time we saw it together, it was my first and only time. Did you cry yeah. during that one? I, I think I did cry again at the same scene. Oh, I didn't notice. I okay. To be fair, you were sitting. Yeah, someone was someone in between us. There was. To be fair, I almost cried, probably five times, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't cry at all. So I think we're. I think we're kind of equal. I guess okay. overall. <laughs> did I laugh in this movie? I, I didn't burst out laughing like I did in Pinocchio, but I did have a few chuckles, like out loud chuckles. So I think. You know, I had like four or five chuckles in this movie. Adds up to one good laugh in Pinocchio. So I'll cancel it out. That works too. Yeah. So already emotionally, this movie did its job. Wow. Yeah. I feel like the payoffs and just character development and emotions were just so good in this movie. Yep. Uh, one of the one of the characters, one of the villains, Goldilocks. Uh huh. Um, I think she has a really good arc. Yeah, a great arc. Maybe maybe slightly predictable, but I, I think they want it to be predictable. Basically, you know, twist on the on the classic tale, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, except that Goldilocks and the Three Bears are all working together and they're a they're a family. But Goldilocks is an orphan and and was adopted by the bears. And um the whole last wish part, um, where there's this magic star that grants anyone who gets to it a a wish um all the characters that's kind of their end goal so goldilocks mm -hmm. wants a quote-unquote real family um just because she was an orphan and and that's just what she's been longing for throughout her life and throughout throughout it's kind of hinted that you know her true family is the the three bears and that that becomes her eventual realization and I'm I'm not really doing it justice by summing up her arc in just a couple sentences, but it is it is pretty impactful when she does make that realization, and especially when the bears find out what her wish wish is, right? And mm -hmm. that they accept her and fight for her anyway to get her wish because they care about wow. her, even knowing wow. that you know she might not feel the same way back. So good arc. Wow, Sam, it sounds like you really are touched by that story. <laughs> Is that the part you cried at? No. I did get emotional at that part. I thought, like, oh, that was really That was sweet. one of the five that times I almost cried. Yeah, that'll get you. That'll get you. I don't know. This movie just had so much going for it. The part I did cry at was the scene where the panic, where Puss had a panic attack or, you know, saw death while they were fighting on the river and then ran away and then was like, 
away from the fight and then the therapy dog perito comes up and just lays his head on his chest and then he calms him down i was like that's so adorable and beautiful yeah that i think that may be i think one of the my my favorite scenes it was just such a memorable scene yeah and i think i guess slight transition but also context for for why he was running and and panicking is that uh near the beginning a supposed bounty hunter was after him and the scene where that's revealed uh the big bad wolf comes up to him in the in the leche bar and shows him the wanted poster of puss in boots which i think that's a really strong scene as well yeah because initially you think that you know it's just another bounty hunter puss in boots yeah like an extra powerful bounty hunter okay whatever he'll he'll overcome it eventually that's where the story's going cool yeah you think he's fine he's as we talked about he's one of those invincible main characters where you just know he's not gonna die i mean he has died eight times (laughs) which is you know part of that's that's what puss wants his wish to be is to gain his eight other lives back because he's down to his last life yeah but the fact that he's down to his last life is part of the root of his anxiety and fear and he realizes that the big bad wolf is actually literally death that has come for not him. metaphorically <laughs> not symbolically but literally death yes and in this scene he gets bested by him and gets actually cut and and draws blood the first time for the first time he's been touched by a blade and this just it causes him to rethink everything and yeah. just run and become in his mind a coward for the first yeah. time scaredy cat scaredy cat he's struggling to cope with that he's supposed to be this legend and that he's now a coward that that runs off to this old maid's cat home so yeah for for the scene that you cried at it's it's really powerful because he's I think it captures the feeling of anxiety really well. And you, you yeah. feel it for him. Like you feel genuine fear for him yeah. and you feel like he's vulnerable, which is crazy yeah. because you, you know, he's not going to die still, but you feel that he's threatened and you feel that like it's at least possible and you feel his fear. I know. So. Gosh, this movie is so good. Please watch it. I really hope you watch it, even though we're kind of already spoiling it all for you. I hope I hope you've seen it. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is great. Great, great movie. I think we could have probably done the whole podcast on this movie. But just to hit some other things I noticed, um, I thought the music, and the background music was fantastic. Fun fact, same guy who did Minions 2, Rise of Gru. So you know it's going to be good. And I really enjoyed the, the cast voice acting. You got John Mulaney and you have... Antonio Banderas doing Puss in Boots, but I think it's I think it's so cool that you could tell that eleven it's eleven years later. Like he has some age to his voice now. I think it's like wow, it's kind of kind of see like he's getting older. Like on his last life, like you're feeling all those things, all those emotions. Yeah, I think specifically with John Mulaney, I was impressed because I think in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, that was one of my critiques 
for like the spider pig John Mulaney cameo. It felt like yeah. they just put him in there as a cameo just to have, you know, the one liners that were funny, which wasn't too bad. But I think for this, he was actually done justice and more thought out as a character. I think his voice actually fit the character as well to where, you know, it didn't feel like just um, just like a money grab or, or cameo or anything like that. Yeah, no, it was great. The villain, like you said fantastic kids humor was still in there i feel like kids could enjoy this movie um but you know it's the second kids movie like pinocchio also dealt with you only have one life (laughs) like accept it it's like wow why are these movies being so being so like deep and dark yeah i wonder if it's for the kid or maybe it's for the adults watching i don't know and i i really like when movies do both right and i i think that's part of what makes this plot better than the first i know i'm talking about the first again but i think that's what makes it stronger is just more deep themes and and sequels often struggle to find a good plot and i think this one's super solid because of that agreed well before we do our final ratings last couple things to note i think while the idea of the you know searching for the magic star and getting one wish is kind of cliche. I think the idea right. that the map changes based on the character that's holding it is is unique, just lends to creating like diverse, interesting scenery, but also ties in to character character development. Yeah. For example, just like Puss when he is in the cave of lost souls and he has to face his his eight previous lives mm-hmm. and death and just come to terms with, with that more. Yeah. I thought, I thought the map was a great tool for exploring all the characters and yeah, the more, the more selfish that their desire was, the more intense the, the obstacles became or like, you know, it was very interesting because a lot of the wishes that they had, they didn't really need to have in the first place. So the map would just stop them in their tracks like for the goldilocks one i didn't notice this the first time but the second time watching it when the map says like adjust your view what you look for might be right in front of you it's not saying the house is a challenge you're saying like just stop and like look at your family like that's the wish you're looking for you don't need to go anywhere to wish but the least selfish one is the dog who doesn't have anything to wish for he's gonna have an easy path of rainbows and i think that's a really good kind of theme for attitude that we have in lives and what we wish for and you know what that path is going to look like depending on what our outlook is so a lot of deep deep things which you should definitely think about yeah which is why everyone listening to this should go and watch this right now um but before you watch it we're gonna give our final ratings i as we said we both agree this was the best one out of all of them which means it has to be at least, you know, a better grade than our previous best. Yeah, one. it I, it's going to be an A or an A plus for me. I'm trying to think if anything stops it from being an A plus. Like, is there anything that I didn't love? I think we can give it an A plus. I think we can. I think we can. <laughs> I did think that the John Mulaney character was a little ridiculous at some points, but it's kind of funny. Like, he was just so 
unbelievably unredeemable. <laughs> so it's like those exist. And I appreciate movies yeah. where like the villain is so evil. He doesn't need to be, have a reason. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of movies like, Oh, the villain should be, you know, should have a reason and should have a motive. And like, I should like see his point of view. Like sometimes you just can't like, sometimes they're just an e- evil monster and like, cool. Great. That's kind of fun. Yeah. But the idea of death being a more nuanced character and then having Goldilocks being a nuanced character with its own anti-hero motives. It's like, it's a perfect movie. A plus. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, I was really hoping I got to use that sound today. I'm really glad I got to just so everyone else was aware. Our other sound effects, uh, if we had a C range movie, would have been some light clapping and the D range movies <laughs> would have been a, a nice crickets. And then an F would have been, so apologies for not choosing more diverse sets of movies in the next next iteration we will we will for sure but we we tackled a lot of movies there so now as promised we're gonna do our weekly shuffle send-off where we challenge each other to do something before the next episode so what are we gonna do this week alex well, I'm going to challenge you. There's a lot of, you know, we watch all the movies either on Netflix or in theaters. So I'm going to challenge you to watch a movie on an obscure site, obscure streaming platform like Peacock TV or Paramount Plus or a Roku original. Or potentially a, a Tubi. I think I'm going to go with Tubi. Oh, a Tubi original film. That'd be good. It's completely free, so you know you know there got to be some bad ones on there. And my send-off for the, the shufflers out there is to ensure you've watched Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And if you've already watched it, watch it again. I think I'll give you the same challenge as well. In the future, we'll do, you know, we'll do more diverse challenges. But for this week, we're going to... We'll, we'll see uh, what different movies we we land upon all right and shufflers out there be on the lookout for a poll make sure to follow our instagram we didn't have an instagram last time so we do now it's at my pod shuffle and we'll have polls out there every week uh i think this one would be a good just to put all five movies down you guys can tell us which was your favorite yeah next week we'll we'll see if you actually watch puss in boots or not y'all better do it that's our last wish <laughs> but um as opportune time uh, for the sound effect, Alex. <laughs> there we go. There Perfect. We go. And this is the last word.